You are listening to Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder's Friday Night Live. here on Radio 1190, KVCU Boulder's Friday Night Live. Instead of a wet, hot American summer, it is a dry, hot winter in Boulder. I'm Andrew Hobner, and with me, two of BSN's best, as always, RK and Shap, Ryan Konigsberg and Jake Shapiro. Guys, how have you been dealing with the the warm weather this winter? It's such a tease because, like, I hate the cold. Uh, Every year I grow older, I hate the cold more. It's like the only reason I would ever consider leaving Colorado. So when it gets warm like this, I like forget that it's winter and I'm just like, ah, finally like spring. And then I see that we're supposed to get three feet of snow on Monday and it ruins my Friday. Isn't that so weird how, I mean, that's, that's the one thing that I've never been able to get used to. Cause I'm, I'm from New York and when you have winter in New York, it, it starts like mid January, but you know you're in it until the end of March. You know, like it's it's done, There's it's over. Snow on the ground. Exactly, exactly. Like the the weather the weather is terrible, and y- you just know you're you're ready for cold. You're ready for gray skies and cloudy, and that's it. And you can hunker down. But here you get the tease of like the weather's nice in January, and then all of a sudden it's like three feet of snow on Monday. Yeah? I, I almost took the top off of my car today. And, and great start to the show, Andrew, for getting to turn on my mic. Well, you know, we, we got to have some type of technical difficulty or else it wouldn't be Friday Night Live on Radio 1190. Right. That's the classic stamp <laughs> yeah. of Friday Night Live. Exactly. So we have a stacked show for all of you Buff fans tonight. In addition to having BSN Broncos managing editor and BSN Buffs managing editor, Ryan Both the same guy. <laughs> Ryan Konigsberg. We are also going to be joined at 610 by CU Buffs or Colorado Buffaloes center, Josh Scott. 635, the Rumlin Buffalo. Ben Burroughs will be rejoining the show. At 705, we will have Pack Hoops Adam Butler talking to us about the Pac-12 basketball landscape. Around 7.20, Associate A.D. Lance Carl will be giving us an exclusive interview that we got earlier in the week. And for those of you wondering about basketball's attendance, Chief Marketing Officer of Colorado's Athletic Department, Matt Biggers, will have a couple of comments that we grabbed from him yesterday. And I don't know, man, this uh, that's probably one of the more stacked guest lists we've had in, in Friday Night Live history. Not Not as far as, like... As as prestige, but but by volume, I mean this is this is a beefy beefy show we got for you guys tonight. Rank them. Well, as far as like as best, shows or guests. Best guest tonight. Rank them. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, number one has to be Josh. Yeah, Josh. Josh is definitely at the top. Number Ty- two might be Lance. I don't know, man. I'd say I'd say yeah, Lance is two, tied for three. Uh, Adam and Ben, because they're they're. Am very- I being counted in this? I don't know. You're you're in studio with us for the duration. That so should I, give me more points as a good guest. Yeah, I, I can't so what should Lance. we do? Put you at put you at one. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ranking them. So 
right. Am fair. I a guest at this point? I, I don't know. Like, because at this point, like, Joe, Joe and I are technically co-hosts on this show. And so... But but you're here every week, so I feel like if Joe's not here, then you are my co-host. Yeah, true. That's kind of what I I at least would like to consider you as, if you would be so willing to take that title. Would I'll, you Would you be willing? As a Ryan would be willing to take that title. I'll be I'll be the co-host. I'll put it on my resume. Co-host with Andrew Hobner of Radio Eleven Ninety. The better half. The better half. <laughs> the better half is how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is going to be a very good night for uh, for you Colorado fans. Um, it has been, it's been a good week for the University of Colorado. And uh, real quick, uh, just a couple minutes until Josh gets in touch with us on BSN Denver. Uh, Will Whalen, com- columnist who all of you Colorado fans know and love, dropped one dime this afternoon morning uh, as far as. Talking about how this game against Cal this Sunday is going to be the biggest game of Tad Boyle and the University of Colorado basketball program ever. Now, there's been a little bit of debate today about that, but I'm interested. Is you know the, the BSN glasses might might be on for you no, guys, but okay, okay. So so what do you guys think about that? Do you do you think that this Sunday is the biggest game in Colorado basketball history? I think that was a very, very well-written piece, which is why I told everyone to read it. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't agree, no. Okay. I mean, you think back a couple of years, and they're a hard foul on a short white guy away from going to the Sweet 16. That, yeah. that to me, was the biggest game of the Tad Boyle era. I know it was early in, in, in that sort of thing, but and I know where Will's coming from, saying, you know, now you're trying to regain that glory. You're trying to regain that momentum. But, I mean, to me, you can't say that this game is more important than a game uh in the tournament that could essentially when you're rolling like you've never been rolling before that could have sent you to the sweet 16 i mean they could have really won that game against baylor uh in albuquerque but they let brady heslip hit like 12 threes and you know you never win a game like that so to me um i understand will's point and, and i i don't i haven't even really thought about it enough to say oh well, maybe it's the second most important game or whatever to me, no. Uh, I put that game against Baylor as that would that was the most important game of the Tad Boyle era. For me, if they lose Sunday, they could still win out the Pac-12 season and find a way into the you know number one seed. Let's say well, they don't in the have Pac-12. to even win out. Right. That's my point. Is you know it's not a must-win game even. So to call it the most important game of the Tad Boyle era, yes, it'd be important to win. I, I would distance a little. I need to be closer is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> get get on in there. Get to that mic. <laughs> you, you could uh, distance yourself from that statement, I think. Uh, and what, is this, N- what is this, NPR? <laughs> yes. Uh, point is, if it's not a must-win game, I don't know how you could categorize it as the most important mm-hmm. game. But I do think it is a must-win game. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's a must-win game, but I, I don't know. But I, I agree all, with you, But Shan. by your logic, Ryan, aren't all home games must-win games then? Because uh, I know where you're coming from on that. Especially Ooh, after you've question. already, uh, especially after you've already dropped one. Yeah, uh, you can't afford the way this conference is shaking out right now. You can't afford to drop two at home in the conference season, and you know get swept by Cal. Um, you've got a tough, tough road coming up. You're not the the way you kind of cancel out a road loss is by getting another, or a, a home loss is by getting another couple home, road wins. Well, they don't have those out there, so they've got their two two road wins right now in conference. That cancels out their home loss. They can't afford another home loss because they're not going to get two more road wins. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. You know, the one thing, I would say this is probably the third or fourth most important game of the Tad Boyle era. I think number one was yours, Ryan. I think that game against Baylor. I think number two uh, was a couple years ago when Kansas came into Coors. And they were featuring Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins and one, one of the best on paper Kansas teams of recent memory and the fact that they won kind of vaulted them into for however brief a time before Spencer Dinwiddie went down into national prominence of being mm-hmm. oh, you know like oh my goodness Colorado for the first time had an incredibly raucous home environment it wasn't fog field house west they beat out a good Kansas team that had the most highly touted recruit in high school coming out as well as one of the most high ceiling recruits in college for that year. And so I, I, I kind of agree. I don't know if this is the most important game of the Tad Boyle era. It's definitely in the top five, though, because this this game in this year's Pac-12 
is absolutely vital for how it's going to go uh, for for really the rest of the season in conference. Yeah, but by that logic of being vital in what year, uh, in how things are going to go in the Pac-12 conference, I would argue that the Colorado-Oregon game, the Spencer Dinwiddie year, was more important than the Colorado-Kansas game because that put Colorado in the area of being talked about in the top ten in the country. Right. I mean, any of it, and you want to get into it in depth, any of these games were so huge. I mean, you talk about the Arizona game, the Valentine's Day massacre. That was so huge because it was like, uh, they, you know, they almost beat them. In, they did beat them in Tucson. There was this huge revenge factor. I mean, I've never seen like a more vengeful fan base in the Coors Event Center. Like everyone was angry going into that game. Uh, or you can even go back to Tad Bowles' first year. Some of the big wins he had to vault himself into being talked about as a really good coach, whether it be you know uh, when when you know uh, Corey and Alec were here. Right. So. I think the main point is here, uh, it was a well-done piece by Will, and you can definitely understand the points that he, he has in that piece, and it is an absolutely massive game. But if you start looking into it too much, I think um, you can find some holes and maybe make a different call there. So looking uh, looking toward this Sunday, as, as we wait for Josh to call in, what do you guys see out of this Cal team sons Tyrone Wallace? Because that's a pretty big loss. Sons. Sons. Are we saying sons or sans? Sons. Sons. Okay, good. So sons Tyrone Wallace, who who played a very big part against uh, Colorado the last time these two teams played at Berkeley. Do you think that this Cal team, which has struggled on the road, has has a good shot in Boulder? Of course they have a good shot. I mean, the talent that's on that roster is out of this world. Even without Tyrone Wallace, you're still talking Jalen Brown, Ivan Rabb, uh, Jordan Matthews, there's so many dudes that can hurt them that I think, you know, of course they have a chance to come in here and win. They got beat up by that seven-footer, that big, strong seven-footer that no one had heard of before the last game, who I, I don't even remember his name because I think that was his only good game ever. So <laughs> it, it, there's, there's, like there's so many um, weapons on that team that if Colorado isn't careful, they'll get caught on the chin uh, and they're going to be in trouble in Boulder. But I think the Buffs have also have a great chance to win that game. You know, the one thing that's probably impressed me the most about Colorado is outside of that Utah game, I mean, they played great at home this year. And mm-hmm. there there was a stat that I saw on uh, on Pacific Takes about uh, the winning percentages of teams on the home, uh, at home versus on the road in Pac-12 play. And the disparity was absolutely outrageous. I mean, teams have really struggled when they've walked away from their home arena uh, in Pac-12 play this season. I mean, do you guys see any particular team that, that might be able to do that, walking walking out of their arena into someone else's and still performing well? Or is it just kind of a toss-up of who gets lucky on each night? It's so hard to win on the road in college basketball. It only the, it's the hardest. It's the hardest road uh, in sports. It, right. Yeah, it, I, I'd, only, agree with, I'd agree with that assessment. The only teams that consistently win road games in college basketball are the truly elite teams. And you look at Kentucky the last few years. And there's none of those in college basketball at all this right. year. No, and, not and like, close. Right. Kentucky struggled with it this year. Kansas has even struggled with it this year. Every team that you can name as being someone who's been considered elite the last few years, if you look at what they've done this year, they've struggled at winning on the road. And it's so hard to do across college basketball. So it's not just the Pac-12. Exactly. No, there's not a team in the Pac-12 that's going to um, string off a, a bunch of road wins in a row. The problem here is uh, for the Buffaloes in terms of their chance of, of getting ahead in this conference is both Oregon and Washington went out on the road and got a victory last night on the harder uh, leg of their road trips. So there's a chance that both of those teams are going to get a road sweep this week. Uh, and if that happens, those two teams have a chance to really separate themselves from the pack because then all the teams that you know might have gotten kept pace this week, well, they got to go on the road next week when those teams are going home. Yeah, and you know the really amazing thing to me is the fact that Colorado is a team that has had road struggles in the past, and it's been one of the bigger critiques of that team is how how I guess persistent the road struggles have been. This year, it doesn't seem as bad because. Every team is struggling on the road. I mm-hmm. mean, Cal is a team that, as immensely talented as they are, having Ivan Rabb, Jalen Brown, uh, Jordan Matthews, Tyron Wallace, who might now be injured, but a still incredibly talented core line by Quanzo Martin, they still are one of the teams in the Pac-12 that struggles the most on the road. And that, to me, states—it basically says— 
how much parity is in this conference, how deep this conference is. Arizona State last night, who walked in, I believe, either 1-5 and five or 1-6 and six, uh, against Oregon State and defeated the Beavers. And all, all of a sudden, you, you realize that it's not even all the way is it's not even 9 or 10 deep it's 10 or 11 deep now and and that to me is is really impressive and the unfortunate thing that i see out of it is that you're going to see a lot of those teams at least i think not make the tournament because the committee is going to be very sharp on a deep pack 12 and i see you kind of you know juggling your hands it's like yes that is an argument that can be made either way what what way do you see ryan i it just th- i mean you can't get 10 teams in so you're right like there's 10 teams that could make the tournament in this conference you're not getting 10 teams in um so a, a team like ucla even could f- fall out of kind of w- the the tournament conversation here and if that happens then you're talking about, you know, one of the more talented teams in the Pac-12 who's not even having a bad season somehow missing the tournament. Yeah, and, you know, last night you watched the games and they talk about eight teams making the Pac-12 tournament. That's practically unheard of, let alone ten teams. Right. So, I mean, I I venture to guess that some really good teams in the Pac-12 are going to feel like they got snubbed, but the, the, the way it is, it's just you're not getting that many teams into the, into the tournament. My whole thing with the the Pac-12 and the tournament is it's hard to put eight teams in any one conference in if there's no truly elite team. Let's say Arizona has had a great non-conference season and they're still playing in conference like they are now. I think it would be easier to put eight Pac-12 teams into the tournament because there's one team that could be a two or a three seed. Yeah, and that's kind of a weird thing about uh, the way it's working out this year is i mean even arizona you watch them play and it's just like how are they playing basketball without point guards i mean they don't have anyone that can play point guard at an efficient level so that's the only thing really keeping them from being a good team and and i don't even really know what's keeping ucla from being a good team or a great team i should say but you, you like a team like ucla just has to start getting good wins or they're not going anywhere yeah, and if you look at the standings right now, Oregon ranked at 23, who's 17-4, and four, which is the best record in the conference overall. They lead, along with Washington, tied at 6-2 and two in conference play. Colorado is sitting there tied for third with USC and Utah. Arizona, California, Stanford are at 4-4, four four, Oregon State, UCLA at 3-5, and five. Arizona State in 11th place at 2-6, and six, and then Washington State at 1-7. and seven. Now, Washington winning last night, that was a big, big deal for them as far as getting to the point where they can contend to win and also hurting Colorado's chances to win the conference outright simultaneously. At 5-3 and three in conference, do you think that it is still doable for the Buffaloes to actually win not only, I, I mean, the tournament is the tournament, but winning the conference outright at 5-3, and three, tied for third, uh, and with Oregon and Washington leading by a game, do you see Colorado able to win the tournament or uh, able to win the conference outright here? Yeah, I mean, they, they absolutely still have a chance. Um, the, the thing is, is every single game they're going into is winnable. So I can't look at the schedule right now and say, oh, well, there's a loss and there's a loss. Oh, and, you know, Oregon's going to win this and this. You have no – we have no idea what's going to happen every single game in the Pac-12 unless it's like Arizona hosting Washington State. So the Buffs, they, the Buffs go out and win on Sunday. Uh, they go and in, in maybe, you know, put together some road wins. All of a sudden, all you got to do is be, you know, in the conversation heading into the last two weeks or the last week even, and you could be two wins away in the last week away from uh, winning the conference. So I just have a sneaking suspicion that Washington is going to fall from grace at some point. Like they, they're so young and it's like they're, they're playing so many freshmen that I feel like at some point they could just kind of hit the wall you know the freshman wall mm-hmm. that you hear yep. about and all of a sudden they're going to start dropping some games um that they shouldn't drop but it's yet to happen so you know the the team i'm really thinking has a chance to run away with this is oregon which is crazy but i mean you beat arizona on the road you're picking up a game on the road which is to me which is really worth two games so uh oregon could go beat arizona state which they should now on sunday or saturday they probably play 
And then all of a sudden, you know, they've got a, a little bit of a sizable lead in conference. Yeah, Oregon, if they do that, will be 7-2. and two, And let's say the Buffs do and they got a whole game over the Buffs. Washington still has to go beat, I think, USC mm-hmm. this weekend. So let's say Washington, uh, Washington loses to USC. Both teams there will be 6-3. and three. The Buffs will be tied for second at 6-3 and three with Washington, USC. And if Utah beats... Uh, who are they playing? They play uh, Stanford. Stanford. Mm-hmm. If Utah beats Stanford, there'll be four teams tied for second with Oregon in first. So th- not only do the Buffs have to make up a game, if they do win Sunday to match Oregon, they have to jump essentially four teams. And that's where it's tougher. They have to somehow find a way but to Someone's be- got to win the conference. Right. And Oregon with having just a one-game hand, and let alone the one-game hand, being the single team having that one-game hand is a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. And just a quick programming note, we do have confirmation uh, that Josh Scott will be joining us tonight. There was just a, a miscommunication on the sports information end, but uh, Josh Scott will be joining us here tonight on Radio 1190's Friday Night Live, as well as Ben Burroughs, Adam Butler, Lance Carl, and Matt Biggers. They were all be here in some way shape or form do we know um, what time we're getting josh uh we should get josh uh within a few minutes um okay. the uh the issue was just uh getting his call the call in number over to him but uh i've gotten confirmation that he does have it so uh josh should be here so stick around with us the very impressive thing uh that i see is that las vegas is going to be incredibly fun I mean, this Pac-12 tournament might be one of the most For, one of the one of the Washington, more Las, outrageous things that I think I'm going to see. Before you say Las Vegas is going to be really fun, Las Vegas is always really fun. Las Vegas is going to be extra fun. So, but I mean, usually, like, I'll go to the Pac-12 tournament and I'll skip a few games. You know, the, I'll skip the late game if the Buffs played the early game or something like that. Man, it doesn't feel like you're going to have a chance to skip any games this year because no matter the matchup, uh, it's going to be a good one. And with every team playing on a neutral court, it should be really, really, really exciting. The Pac-12 tournament, man. It's just there's no no more words you can say besides Las Vegas, Pac-12 tournament, the basketball, the views, the hotels. I, I mean, right now, the way you're reacting to me talking about this is making me so badly want to go down with you <laughs> for the Pac-12 tournament that I'm actually considering it. Shapiro is officially considering the Pac-12 tournament this year. I mean, especially if you're a Buffs fan and the Buffs have a chance to win this thing, how could you miss the Buffs winning another one of these Pac-12 tournaments? Los Angeles must have been insane when the Buffs won that. <laughs> I mean... I. I don't know how you could miss the Pac-12 you, tournament in any... Were you there for that when Colorado won? Nope, I wasn't there for that. I, I, was, I was in Albuquerque the next week. Ah, okay. Excellent. Um, secondary programming note. Not Josh Scott, Josh Fortune. That one is on me. I, I, I made a misrequest. Josh Fortune will be joining us later, but he still will be here. You should <laughs> just say that Josh is calling in. Well, you know, I... Would have covered both. Well, at that point, I... Yeah, no, you you are right. I might as well have just said that. Actually, J forty something will be calling in. J four blank will be calling into the show. But yes, we will have a call in from a CU Buffs player. Let's just put it that way, and it will be here. Um, that was uh, that one is actually on me. The, as they normally are. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty much everything is. I love it when I take a me. shot at Hobner and he just takes it. Well, I mean. I mean, I memed, I memed you once already this week, um, so I feel like it's kind of warranted any type of comebacks you got on See, me. See, but that just improves my brand. You're just putting my face Your out there Your hashtag more. brand? Yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> I still feel bad about that one. I'm, I'm going to let, on Sunday, I'm going to let Jake choose the, uh, the screenshot that we put on our, uh, I, I hope you on do. our feature image. If I'm on the video. Either way, I'm going to let you choose it. Okay. Because it was, like... I feel like it came off like I cho- I purposely chose that because Shaf had a goofy face. But I woke up Saturday morning who- and everyone was tweeting about my face. <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that I don't look at anyone in a picture except for myself. Just, except for- <laughs> I don't know if you want to be admitting that on the air. There's, 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 just being honest. There's one it's picture, honesty. One picture in particular. Honesty, one picture in particular last month where that was not true. That's yeah. true. And that stays off air. Yes, yes. I mean, if there's girls, okay, if there's girls in the picture, you have to worry about what the girls are gonna think. But other, I mean, other than that, I mean, Ryan, with that haircut, how how could you not have? How could you not be concerned? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you gotta stay fresh, stay crisp. I mean, if you, 
I'll put it this way, Shabby. If you if if we do have a recap video in in the coming weeks, just please, for the love of God, wear a solid shirt. <laughs> uh, that's a good shirt, though. The one I wore yesterday. It's it a nice was. I mean, shirt. I. I that's up it. for debate. <laughs> I'm not one to debate we'll, it right we'll now. We'll spend the rest of Friday Night sure. Live talking about that specific one. All I'm saying is my parents are the only ones in fashion here, and you know, I I know it. I've I, I've got okay. a whole look set up right now, and I always got a look today. It's like a little 70s ish mean, look, I was and about it's to working. Say, I like I like the look you uh, you've Today's, got now. Yeah, I just I'm not a fan of <laughs> I'm just not a fan of vertical stripes. Well, so you're not a fan of Yankees jerseys? Well, not on camera, at least. Mm. No, no. I'm not a fan of the Rockies jerseys either. Yeah, they're terrible. They look like pajamas. <laughs> so some scheduling notes coming up for uh, this weekend. In a half hour, the women's basketball team will go on to face UCLA. Women's tennis will be playing in the RMTC tournament at Millennium Harvest House Saturday and Sunday. And then, of course, on Sunday, men's basketball plays California at 3 p.m. And it's a doubleheader because women's go up against USC at 7 o'clock. Both of those games in the Coors Event Center. Real quick, because we're actually going to talk to Lance Carl about this. Um, well, Lance Carl talked to us about this uh, <laughs> in his interview Linda Lappy uh, has definitely had some struggles, and the women's basketball team has has certainly had some struggles this season. Do you see uh, any type of midseason change, or do you think that if things go as bad as people think they're going to go, then you're going to see a change coming at the end of the year? I mean, if I was in charge, which I absolutely am not, uh, I think I would make a midseason change only, and, and I don't know well enough. Only if you have a candidate, if you have a person that's on the staff right now that you think is it going to be a candidate going in to uh, the search. If you are planning on firing Linda Lathy, which I think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so say that you got you have a, a staff member that you think is going to be a candidate. Well, then I think yeah, you make a move and give that uh, candidate uh, a test drive. You know, it's a it's a it's a luxury to be able to see it, say, okay, well, this person is a candidate for the job. We're gonna get a whole, um, you know, month with them as our coach to see what what how they do in that position. Um, if that's not the case, then no, you just wait till the end of the de- end of the season and do it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing that I think is incredibly interesting about this women's basketball uh, team, and no, I I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, indict Lappy at all for this, but the the thing about this team is that the last time you really saw Colorado women's basketball be a a very solid basketball team was when they had Chucky Jeffrey and Chucky Jeffrey of course as we know was one of the premier players not only in the Pac-12 but in the nation went on to play in the WNBA has played abroad and the the thing about at least Colorado women's basketball has been that outside of that year there really hasn't been much success. And you have seen uh, some success with rehiring or hiring outright Colorado graduates. You know, Coach Cheverini for the football team has paid enormous dividends already. And there's there's players on the team that tell me that they, they love him. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's an intense guy, but but they love what he brings. They love his passion. He's basically a younger Levitt is yeah, what he is. Exactly. And and not only that, he with has Pepsi. <laughs> he's and, a coffee guy yeah, like me. But he's got but he's got the CU connection too. And right. and Tad Boyle is also another guy who had the CU connection uh when when he was hired. At least you can make Colorado the argument that there was a Colorado yeah. connection in there. Um but you know Linda Lappy to me is one of the one of the last holdovers of of that method of hiring that also had brought in John Embry at the time you and know, Danny Sanchez and Danny just Sanchez. up the road in Wyoming. Exactly. And and so I, I really wonder um you know what the merit of that is of having of having Colorado-based or CU-related coaches coming into the program because and the even the, even the volleyball there. program just hired a guy from DU. Well, exactly. You know the, the passion is there, but but the but the ability might also kind of similarly suffer. So that is definitely something to continue watching. And then uh, in you know probably 40 or so minutes when we have the Lance Carl interview up uh, after Adam Butler from Pack Hoops joins us, we will certainly. Uh, dive into this a little bit more as as well as some other issues but for right now men's basketball you know we're, we're going to we're going to give pretty much the next hour of due time to this men's team and the one thing that i continually hear is how fun the brand of basketball that colorado plays is 
And to me, I agree. Because after last, after last year, you know, you weren't watching a great brand of basketball sitting in press row. But this year, you are watching a fun game anytime you go to the event center. So what really has changed that much between last year and this year? Obviously, ski is kind of a ski of booker is, is sort of your big answer, and I see you're kind of debating that as well, Ryan. So what do you see as really the big change from going from that brand of basketball to this one? Well, I will say about this year's brand of basketball first before Ryan goes into this. The hashtag brand of basketball. It's been bad at times, and there's been times where it's so not fun to watch. And then there's times where it's really, really fun to watch. And our friend CU Goose, James Lucas, goes, and often that happens on the same night. If you consider the game against uh, the game when we were at Blake Street the other night. Well, you're night, talking about road games. He's talking about home games. Right, but I'm just saying in general, there's been times this season where it's pretty much unwatchable, but then there's also times where you can't get enough of it. So it's, it's not that it's necessarily been an overarching change, but it's definitely changed at home because that home game against Washington last year was the most miserable basketball game I've ever been to. I actually don't remember anything about last basketball season. like, And I didn't do this on purpose. My mind has just like erased it out because it was the worst season. And I've covered some bad football teams, but there was nothing worse than covering that basketball team. Um, but I, I kind of disagree. I think even the ugly games have still been a better brand of basketball than we saw last year. Um, and, and going back to Andrew's question, which is why, I think it's a, a much less about a Skia Booker than people want to make it about. Um, a Skia Booker was part of the problem last year. The real problem was how much the team relied on a Skia Booker. Um, and that made him kind of the polarizing figure. But it really wasn't his fault that absolutely no one else on the team could get their own shot. And it was so easy to double team Josh Scott because there's no one on the perimeter who could make anything other than Ski. So. It was just this one-dimensional style of basketball that Skia Booker got blamed for because he was their only option on offense. I mean, you're you're talking about Jerron Hopkins. Uh, you know, he couldn't really do anything. Dustin Thomas never made a three-point shot during his career at the University of Colorado, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, it was this team that just had nothing on the perimeter, and a Skia Booker was forced on a nightly basis to just chuck up shots, and so he ended up being the polarizing figure. But this season you've got so much on the edge you've got you've got george king you've got josh fortune you've got trey fletcher playing a much better brand of basketball you've got uh wesley gordon upping his game offensively and so what it all comes back to is this team being able to spread the floor and it opens it all the way up for josh scott and things go much better you know and i'm i've been so impressed with josh fortune this year man he he really has been someone who has stepped up. He's made his mistakes, and, and there have been some issues with his passing, but I, I'm i extraordinarily impressed with, with what he's been able to do on the floor, and especially uh, the last couple games. He's really, really come into his own recently. What do you guys see out of Fortune? I mean, because people have made this argument. You know, he's he's a jack-of-all-trades in some aspects. He has, um, he has intangibles that are there, and that add a different element to the game that you know, other twos on this roster might not have or other guards on this roster might not have. So how vital is Josh Fortune to this Colorado basketball team? Both Fortune and King have added a new dimension to this team. The three-point shooting is something that has lacked for a few years under Tad Boyle. Really, since Spencer went down, they've really not had a good three-point shooter. And adding both Fortune and King, they add a completely new weapon to this team. And Tad Boyle always talks about, we got Josh getting doubled down low, and as soon as he gets doubled, he can kick it out to either wing, and they can hit threes. And not only the option of having just one or two, there's always going to be a three-point shooter out there because there's two guys, whether it be George and Josh or even Trayshawn at times. So I think Josh is part of, uh, Josh Fortune, that is, is part of a, a group of guys that are so meaningful to this team. But Fortune alone having four rebounds a game, two assists, and three point, the three-point shot is important. And that's been one of the most impressive parts about Fortune's game to me is his ability to move the ball and know when to take a shot. Yeah, sometimes he takes a little heat check and he'll go a little J.R. Smith, as they like to call it, uh, and, and maybe take a bad shot. But he does move the ball pretty well uh, a solid amount of the time. Maybe you, you want that a little bit more. But it's not like he's so self-driven so self where he's going to take every single shot that comes his way. There's times where he passes up a good shot to get Thomas Akizili or George King or someone else a better shot. I think Josh Fortune's a really good passer from the perimeter. 
Um, I said this going into the season, and I'm still kind of hanging by it. Um, if Josh was just a catch-and-shoot player, I would have no problem with it. Um, sometimes he gets a little ahead of himself. Uh, he starts trying to dribble a little too much, which he, he kind of has a good handle, but then he gets a little too ex uh, excited with it, and he starts to turn the ball over. He, he gets caught in that jump pass trap a little bit too much. But I think as, as a shooter, as a perimeter player for this team, he's, ex he's almost exactly what they were needing. And when you added uh, George King, who's now shooting 49% from three, which is, is up there with anyone in the country, uh, it just creates an entirely different dimension to a team that, that's really tough to defend. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, the one thing that impresses me so much about Josh Fortune is, uh, you know, he, he's had games where he's been in triple-double territory. And that element in a player, the ability to not only score but rebound and assist on top of it, is so, so huge in a Pac-12 game. Now, we are uh, going to expect Ben Burroughs, the Rumbling Buffalo himself, in a couple of minutes. Um, when we get uh, Josh Fortune on the horn, we will bring him immediately on, but we... Um, as of right now, are going to be bringing on Ben in, in a few uh, in a few minutes for you guys. So we really hope that you know this this latter portion of the show you guys enjoy a lot because it's going to be chock full of guests and some of really the most knowledgeable basketball minds that we really have covering Colorado. And I gotta say, if there's one thing that's extraordinarily impressive to me is how many people like that we do have here. You know, we we have. We have the, you know, we have our own groups of media, which, you know, we, you know, we, I'd, I'd like to think that we all kind of know what we're talking about <laughs> in some aspects, but we also have uh, people like, like James Lucas and JG and Ben Burroughs, Adam Butler, of course, at Pack Hoops, who will be joining us in the second hour that really know exactly what they're talking about. And it's, it's really impressive to, to have people like that around. Yeah. I think there's so many good uh, basketball minds around kind of buffs twitter um it just kind of it turns out to be a really good thing and, and it seems to me and there's probably some people that i should be following that i don't but it seems to me that it's arizona fans and colorado fans that really make up these these uh, great basketball minds you know uh on top of adam butler you've got i believe his name is dan dickey um who is a hoops nerd on twitter and i mean that guy puts out all sorts of stuff it's like he it's like free ken palm so uh <laughs> hashtag free ken palm <laughs> you know he's i was talking with him last night about how he's kind of learned to love colorado and i think it's a community that we have around buffs twitter that's kind of inviting to other people and they kind of see it and they get caught up in it and it's cool to see you know other people around the pac-12 kind of join the conversation yeah, for me, I, I've always been a big fan of all the Arizona writers for whatever reason that might be. I, I, I've always enjoyed their work. I've even sent you a few guys that you should follow. Mm -hmm. But I think Arizona actually has some really good media covering their team, and okay. I really enjoy following Arizona basketball. I'm a big fan of Sean Miller. I think he's a really good coach. We know. I know you and I have disagreed <laughs> on that. I've also really enjoyed some of the players that have come out of Arizona, whether that be Stanley Johnson or some of the guys a little bit earlier. Uh, and I'm not a guy that likes Arizona. I mean, I go to Colorado, and, you know, I see Buff's Twitter, and I tend to agree <laughs> with some of Tyler Ziskin's takes about Arizona, but that's another guy that we haven't even mentioned is Tyler Ziskin. He's on yeah. our podcast every week. Mm -hmm. He's got some great points about bracketology. You even go to, like, someone like Trevor Simmons, who uh, was covering CU last year. He's got great bracketology takes. You know, wherever you go, you can find really good opinions on Colorado basketball, and it almost it, it almost makes our job as media so much easier. So much easier because we have. I mean, when JG is doing the statistical analysis stuff, Zisk is doing this bracketology was, stuff. Yeah. We don't have to cover it. Well, I mean, it's not that we don't have to cover it, but when you're in, when you're doing a, a beat of a team, it's very hard to cover every single side of the team. You know, you you can cover the inside of the team. You can cover um, certain aspects, but it's really hard to be doing covering the team, doing the bracketology, doing the advanced stats. And it's amazing that all these people are so passionate about this stuff that they're willing to do it for free. Um, and so a guy like Ziskin can come on and give us great takes uh, on where the buffs stand on the bubble. A guy like Goose will put up a, a post on all buffs that has tons of information that it, it's so easy for kind of us to see and it just helps the entire fan base understand as much as they possibly can about the program knowledge is never a bad thing i always tell people the more information you can get the better decision you can make you know and as as we <laughs> friday night 
Friday night. Friday night. Friday night philosophy. Well, the conversation that was was actually last weekend with my mom because she was going in to talk about possible, uh, uh, like, you know, they were doing a DNA. They were trying to look at her DNA to see if she had some kind of cancerous thing. Anyways, so I'm like, and she was all scared, you know, like, I don't want to know if I have cancer. And I'm like, what do you mean? You, of course you want to know the most information you can have. I mean, it'll be better for everyone. But, like, that goes for, you know, baseball. Maybe I don't agree with sabermetrics, and I do agree with some of the points sabermetrics make, or even Tad Boyle with his uh, advanced basketball statistics. I think Tad Boyle is generally curious about some of this stuff, does he agree with it? Maybe not, but he, he I think he likes to get the information, and I think that's kind of the same way I, I try to cover a sport, is I might not agree with something you say, but I'm going to try and read it and understand where you're coming from so I can get the more information. Maybe I can take something from that. And that's an interesting question um, that we should ask Tad at some point, which which would be his stance on that sort of thing. Um, I, I think, it, you know, I, I, just by the way he talks about his certain numbers, I don't think he's very concerned at all with um, advanced metrics when it comes to basketball. I think, you know, you listen You listen the way he talks about assist-to-turnover ratio. Well, uh, basketball kind of nerds aren't going to be too concerned with assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, he's more concerned about rebounding margin than whatever, you know. He's not concerned at all about uh, free throw uh, percentage. You know, he doesn't want to talk about it ever. Of course, he wants his team to make his free throws. You saw how pissed he was when they missed the front end of three one-and-ones the other mm -hmm. night. So... It'd be a good question to ask him, but I, like you said, I think you know as much information as you can possibly uh, have, and as much information is available out there is always going to be awesome for fans. So I actually, real quick, I, I want to get your guys' take on the on the fanalist concept because I know it's something that we see quite a bit here in CU. It's and everywhere. Yeah, and it's everywhere. And there are some people, you know, a lot of traditionalists in media that don't agree with that. I mean, what do you guys think about the fanalist concept? Is it something you agree with or disagree with? Uh, it just depends on where what position the person's in. Um, I think, you know, at, at BSN we do a great job of having all angles. Um, we can get the fan angle in there. We get the beat writer angle in there. And I think it's important for everything. Like, like I just said, you know, it's important for as much possible things to be available to the team and to the fans. So, you know, you, you got the fan aspect. You've got the beat writer aspect. Um, I think everything is great. So I'm never going to be the guy who says, you know, um, no fan should be covering the team. I think everyone who knows something, anyone who wants to write about the team should write about the team, and then the fans end up being able to, to have more angles. Yeah, and uh, for me, I, I've, it's weird because I'm still at an age where, you know, uh, when I started covering the Rockies last year, Troy Tulowitzki was my favorite player growing up. And that's made covering the Rockies a lot easier in a way, is not having to cover Troy Tulowitzki, because there's no one on that team where I really over-the-top chair for anymore. And for the Buffs, even though I go here, I don't really consider myself a fan of the team anymore because I'm more, of a, I'm more interested in what kind of work we do than what the team does on the floor. I'm more involved with the work. So I think it's really hard to even be a fan once you get to a certain level of journalism. Yeah. But, but going back to guys like Tyler or Goose... For them, their fandom comes first and their work comes, you know, their work, you know, doing stuff, putting out stuff on the team comes second. For us, our work comes first. And, you know, uh, if we were to chair for the team, I think that comes second. And that's why, you know, uh, it, it kind of just goes away over time. You know, you grew up a Buffs fan. I grew up a Buffs fan. That kind of goes away over time. Uh, because we're so more important uh, with our work. Even even if we put out a story that's hyping up the Buffs, you know, we want to write the story that's well-written rather than how much it hypes up the buffs. Right, and uh, I think you made a good point there where once you start focusing on the work stuff, it, it's not it's not something you have to do on purpose to turn off the fan. Like, obviously, I've been, uh, you know, wanting to, wanting to do this for so long, and as soon as you start to cover the team, from that aspect, uh, you just start to forget about, you know, whether whether or not you care if they're going to win or lose, and you just start to see, okay, well, this is what I'm going to have to write either way. All right, so we finally got Josh Fortune on the horn. Josh, can you hear us? Yes. Uh, okay. Fantastic, man. Um, so we're, we are really happy that, uh, that you were able to get on the show. Sorry it took so long, but I guess our, uh, our first question to you is, you know, it's been a – you know, you know, it's been it's been a tough year for you as far as just trying to find the consistency of playing well uh, in in these Pac-12 games. How have you been as far as adjusting to Pac-12 play so far? 
Um, I've been pretty good. Um, it's it's been a fun ride so far. Um, in Pac-12, I've played a lot of, a lot of good teams. You played on the road at home. Uh, just just trying to stay in the gym and stay uh, consistent. And stay um, confident with my game. And things are good. What are the differences between the Pac-12 uh, at Colorado compared to you know where you were playing back at Providence? Um, just the, just the teams are different. Uh, how they decide the to play, how they play. Uh, it's more of a it's more of an up and down um, game. You don't see zones that much on uh, defense. Uh, play play man to man. So it's just that. Hey Josh, I I wanted to know. You know, we talked about it a little bit after the game the other night um, about how good it felt to kind of get hot and have one of those games, break 20 points. Um, was it how, – how much does that affect you in the week af- – in the week, in the coming days after a game like that? How high is your confidence right now? Um, it's definitely – but, uh, I mean, I don't really let it get, to, you know, my head too big. I have to stay uh, poised because uh, I can easily have a, have a bad shooting game. I try to stay stay in the uh, stay in the gym and uh, prepare for the next thing. So, Josh, as you guys look forward to Cal, um, you know, Dom talked to us the other week and he said that you guys plan. You know, you're kind of pissed off is the word he used about that loss. Is that kind of something that that you're also that, that the boat that you're also in as far as being you know angry and that you guys want to come out and prove something to this Cal team this weekend? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we're all playing with uh, that sense of urgent, urgent, uh, urgentness to it. They got us at their place pretty bad. They uh, beat us pretty bad, so we, we know this is going to be a big game for us, and we just got to come out with intensity and just uh, step on our death from the beginning. What does, you know, you looking at the Pac-12 standings and seeing that you could possibly be, you know, in second place or first place, if you were to beat Cal, do for you. Does that get you hyped up even more for a game like this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, with the with the standings we're there right now, it's a lot of teams in the same spot. So this next win for us could separate us from all of that and uh, just boost our our chances of playing in the, the tournament. So it'd be good for us. Josh, it's, from our perspective, it seems like you guys have had um, a couple good opportunities this year to kind of grasp the fans and, and kind of grasp the hype around this team and win that big game where everyone says, all right, now the buffs are, are really legit. And it seems like a couple of those have slipped through your hands in terms of, you know, SMU, maybe the first Cal game, um, maybe that Utah game. What has been um, kind of plaguing you in those games? In the games that we lost? Yes. Um, what was the question again? Kind of what what has been the difference in those those games against those big teams that you guys have lost in terms of you know the SMU game, uh, the Iowa State game, or, and even going back to the Utah or the first Cal game. Yeah, uh, I'll have to say is it'll be um, just the attention to detail that we might have might have slipped up on and uh, let let get passes. But the SMU game and the Iowa State game, there were those were two two really big games for us, and I feel like we could have won both of them. But um, late down the stretch, we uh, didn't didn't um, we didn't just do things that we know normally do on defense and offense was game. So Josh, you know the the one thing that people you know say when they talk about this team is that you know you guys really go ahead and you, you play a very very good attractive brand of basketball. You know how how much does that help you guys? You know just kind of being happy and and going out and being able to move the ball around shoot the ball well how, how much easier does that make your job on the floor it makes it a lot easier because the game just becomes fun and it becomes natural for us we all we've all been playing this game for a long time and the worst thing you want to do out there is overthink things and when uh, we have the freedom to just play and move the ball around and um you know we all get touches and we just all make shots it becomes very fun um for us out there Obviously, Josh Scott was a little bit sh- sick uh, this this past Wednesday. What does it do for you guys seeing that you know Josh Scott maybe doesn't put out his best effort, but you guys still win big? Does that give you guys even more confidence? Uh, well, yeah, it just it just says that we have a have a deep team, and uh, when one of our, our leaders go down, we have we have other other pieces to pick to pick it up, um, which is very important in the 
a key uh, piece of our team, and it's, it'll be good for us in the long run, um, deep in the season. Josh, it sounds like you got something on on the TV back there. What are you listening? What are you watching? I'm actually watching the Thunder game, Thunder Rockets game right now. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. Is basketball kind of what you like to watch in your free time? Yeah, it's it's all I watch: NBA TV and ESPN. Who's your favorite? Uh, who's your favorite TNT. team? I actually don't have a favorite team. I just I like to watch certain players. Kevin Durant's on right now, so I like to watch him. You like to watch Andre Roberson as well? Yeah, I like to. Uh, he's out there uh, on defense doing his doing his thing on defense, so it's it's pretty cool. So, are when you're watching these NBA games, are, are there any specific players? We asked George uh, uh, George King this a while ago. Are there any specific players in the NBA that you model uh, your game after, or or you might want to try and emulate them at the next level? Uh. I wouldn't say it's one one uh one player because there's so many talented players in the NBA. I try to like look at a lot of different players and see you know what I can add into my game and see how they how they uh do things on the court. So it's not just one player at all. No. So when you're when you're looking at that next level, um, you know, uh, have you been happy with your, uh, I guess, transfer to to Colorado? I mean, do you do you feel like coming out here is has put you in a better spot? Has elevated your game? You know, how how do you like things out here in Boulder? I feel like it's a question that you know you haven't really been asked that much this season. Yeah, I uh, I like things a lot out here in Boulder. I think it was one of my best best decisions to come out here is to play for um, Colorado. And with the aspect of the game, I feel like I've improved. Um, still there, Josh? They didn't really, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, hello. Yeah, no, we're we're still here. Just uh, no, just just keep on with that. We we lost you for a second. Yeah, uh, I was saying about the uh, transition of my game playing here that I feel like it. I've uh, expanded it a lot with uh, the offensive, offensively and uh, defensively. We've always had the same defensive tendencies, but offensive, I, I felt like I've been able to expand my game and just show more that I can do. So when you look at Pac-12 play and, and the rest of uh, what your guys' schedule looks like, are there any particular games that you know you might have circled or that you might be looking forward to going forward? Well, California is uh, my, next, my, next, uh, my next big game that I have because they're our, our next team, so we're only focused on California right now. Obviously, they beat us last game, so we uh, want to get the get that revenge back josh really appreciate it man thanks for coming on tonight as scheduling was kind of kind of funky but we we're happy that you, uh, that we got you on and we really appreciate you coming on to join us yeah no problem man thank you all right have a good night you too so that was josh fortune from uh colorado basketball he has some good things to say we're gonna bring on the rumbling buffalo ben burrows right now we are uh bringing him on momentarily Real quick though, Ryan, uh, as as we wait for Ben to jump on, what uh, what do you think about about Josh's comments? I mean, he seems pretty happy out here in Boulder. Yeah, I think the most important thing uh, is his confidence, and I I think you can hear in his voice how confident he's feeling about his game right now. I think you know the way that he played the other night and the way that he shot the ball, and right after Tad Boyle had just said he's shooting the lights out in practice, he comes out and puts it on the floor, and that does a lot for his game. Yeah, and. You know, Josh has Josh has been impressive, but now we welcome the Rumbling Buffalo himself, Ben Burrows, back to the show. Ben, can you hear us? Absolutely. What's going on, guys? Yeah, we appreciate you being back on with us, Ben. It is uh, it's been far too long for our taste. We we love having your anal- your analysis and takes here. We're glad to have you back. Absolutely. Yeah. Last time I was on uh, right before the CSU game, uh, brought us a little luck. So happy to be back on. Well, yeah. All right, guys. Ben, I got my first question for you. You had a couple tweets about the oh, band last night. Oh, well, you should have got in there. You ruined it. <laughs> um, but you got a couple tweets about the band the other night, and I think you listed off six things. Can you just expand on kind of your your uh, your reasoning and your thoughts on, on what you were talking about and what you were talking about to, to the people that didn't see those tweets? Yeah, just take us, tell us, take us back to the beginning. Tell us the whole situation and then your thoughts on it. Um, well, I, I kind of caught halfway through some uh, some chatter on buffs twitter um buffs about twitter. Uh, some some drops in attendance and some some uh, atmospheric issues in the stadium and someone i think it was t-zisk was talking about the band a little bit and not nothing negative but i i, I felt i needed to jump in because something something had been 
kind of bugging me this year. Um, I, I don't think the band plays enough. You know, I I, I think we're we're in a ter- uh, uh, a turn with the presentation of basketball games at the Coors Vent Center where the band just isn't being featured enough. And that's I'm a band homer. I'm a band alum. Um, but when I go to a college basketball game, I expect to hear a college band playing uh, frequently, often. <laughs> and I, I just haven't haven't felt that I've been getting that presentation that I expect uh, when I've been going to games this year. Um, I, there's been a lot more canned music, the intros. Uh, there's no band. Uh, there's no band presence during the intros. Um, a lot less playing during the game. Even a lot less playing before the game. Used to be when you know you you'd get a good five or six tunes out of the band. Now it's more like three or four. And I, I just think uh, I just think overall we're missing something. I think the band could be featured more. That's just me. Ben, I know you know people in uh, in the band and you know directors and whatnot. Are you under the impression that that is um, uh, coming from the top? Um, I can't really speak to that too much. Uh, I I think it's an overall presentation mindset. Uh, that you know that's just how they want to pre- pre- present the the basketball games. Um, that uh, that's just a feeling I get. That's not me talking with anybody. Um. I, I just know both from my experience and, and me going to games now, it's it's a less it's a lesser featuring of the college kids that you got in the corner with instruments ready to rock and roll. Uh, I, 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 I just me personally, I'd like to see more, and I just feel it's missing something. When you uh, you know, there's always these this feeling at the Coors Event Center, like when they hit the under four timeout, and there's like this big play that happens right before. For whatever yeah. reason, they, they play some music and it just destroys the atmosphere at the Coors Event Center it's when it's just about to get lit. Where's the fight song? Absolutely, I, I want to hear fight. I want to hear three. I want I want to get, uh, you know, because as much as you know, some canned music can pump people up. You know, nothing brings the student section together more than a good round of fight. I have you know having three thousand kids screaming that song out. It sends chills up your spine. You want to hear it. Yeah, uh, and, I don't even think they've played that this season. No, they really haven't. Um, you know, they, 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 yeah, absolutely what you say. It's you go into timeouts, they play the canned, you know. And, hey, it's it's the direction they want to go. I just disagree with it both as an alum and as a paying customer. Yeah, I agree with that. And But on the basketball side of things, Colorado brings in Cal on Sunday. They host them in the Coors Event Center. Tyrone Wallace is out, and that was that's a pretty – Big loss considering he had a great game 